0: Do you know what makes a good or a bad fundraising letter?
1: This is Fundraising at Camp by GoCamp Pro. True Camp Mavericks know that money moves the mission, and we're here to keep your mission moving. You can find our show notes at
0: FAC. Hello Camp Pros and welcome to the Fundraising at Camp podcast from Go Camp Pro. We're excited to have you here today and we are grateful to our two sponsors for the Fundraising at Camp podcast. First off today is the ACA of Illinois. The American Camp Association of Illinois is made up of nearly 289,000 members, volunteers, campers, families, and professionals who believe in the power of camp. They work to disrupt the effects of poverty by providing fundamental services for children and families and learning opportunities for camp professionals. Learn more about the American Camp Association of Illinois by going to acail.org. We also want to thank our second sponsor, Camp Brain. Camp Brain not only coordinates your summer camp management needs, but also your conference center bookings and fundraising management, allowing you to use one database to run your camp year-round. Since 1994, Camp Brain has been innovating and constantly adding new features, all while being backed up by a team of 50 passionate and caring members. For more information, visit them at campbrain.com slash F-A-C. So I want to talk today about fundraising letters. And Joe, since this was your idea, I'd like you to start us off. How do you want to frame this today? Awesome. Here's
1: what I want to do. Um, I want... All three of us have recently gotten fundraising letters in the mail. Heather collects fundraising letters. I just want to break it down since we've talked about the letter and it's, it's the end of December to go over what we received, what we can remember we received. We'll read, do a quick read through of the letter and then we can talk about how we would adjust and change it to help them potentially earn more money through that letter. Make sense? Great.
0: Absolutely. Yes, we're totally with you.
1: Awesome. So my letter today is from the London Public Library, and if the if anybody from the London Public Library ends up listening to this podcast, that's amazing. Um, so this is dated November 1st. It's for the every, uh, as I can understand, it is for the a Book for Every Child, which runs, there's dates on here that say November 1st to December 10th, and it says Joseph Richards, and then it gives my address, which means... I don't know, and Travis asked earlier off the show where they got my address, but I I am a member of the London Public Library. I'm not sure if Joseph Richards is what I use to sign up. Who knows? Uh, Dear Joseph.
0: Before you get too far, let us just make sure that we're clear. We mean the Public Library of London, Ontario. Correct. If you don't know, there is a London in Ontario, Canada. Joe is not a member of the London, England Public Library.
1: I'm not sure it's called the London, England Public Library. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, here's what I have. I have a letter. If you're watching, it's a one page letter, single side. I have a donation form that has two sides. So it has, and I can give digitally or I can sign up for monthly. They also sent it in a a return envelope that I can post as prepaid, and the outside of the envelope looked normal. It just says London Public Library, Dundas Street, London, Ontario. Um, so so it's a window
0: envelope, look like it could have been a bill.
1: It could have been a bill, yeah. And so, but there's no fancy embellishments on the envelope. The letter itself is only four or five paragraphs. And here's what, here's what it says Thank you for everything you do to support our London Public Library and a book for every child campaign. This past year has been busy. And it was wonderful to see so many books distributed to children throughout our city. A Book for Every Child campaign is held annually during the holiday season to collect books and donations for children who would not otherwise own a book. But did you know that poverty and low literacy rates are closely linked? Children raised in poverty often begin school with lower vocabulary than children from middle class families. Many are behind before they even get started. Early picture books often provide children with a world of first, first words, first colors, first shapes, first animals. The average picture book contains 600 words. The greater the number of books a child is exposed to, the greater the vocabulary. Then there's a pull quote, which is a pull quote is just where they pull it out and put it in the center of the page. It says, so excited for this again. Our family look forward to this every year as we do. Thank you for all you do to make this possible. Over 40 schools and community organizations with low literacy rates have participated in a book for every child. In fact, last year, more than 4,700 books were distributed to children, and over 26,000 was raised to help our librarians find the perfect books. We need your help. London Public Library seeks your contribution to help us continue this vital literacy program. Donations can be made in many ways. Visit our website, call our office, or mail us the attached form. You can also donate a new book and drop it off at your local branch by December 10th. A book for every child. Donate today sincerely ellie who is a children's library supervisor that is the entire letter how do you feel about that not great not great travis how does it make you feel
0: uh yeah it's fine i mean if i think about the things that stand out to me the numbers of books and the amount that they raised last year stand out to me the pull quote confused me because i don't know if that is a donor saying we appreciate this or if it's a recipient and I don't know, did they have a name on the pull quote, Joe? I don't know if uh, they're just the protecting quote, a family. The pull quote
1: is from one of the organizations. The The letter has a lot of confusion and sure. this goes back to, um I don't think we've mentioned on this podcast, but there's a book called a uh, story brand, right? The idea of that podcast in that book is you confuse, you lose this, this letter is trying to do a ton of stuff in my opinion
0: a lot of and not,
1: and not doing it any of it really well, so if we go back to what we originally talked about when writing letters in previous episodes, the idea that we don't don't confuse the ask, the thank, and the report in this in this letter <laughs> Did in you all all, the best? <laughs> all three now that's not to say there aren't some uh, as I was reading it, and here's the thing: when I was reading it to you, that's the first time I've read the entire letter, which goes to show that right? People scan letters all the time. And I scanned it and I read it, I scanned it. And then I read it. There are some great lines in here that if they had built their whole story around those lines, I think this letter could have been really powerful, right? People, many, many are behind before they even get started, right? Like that's what you're trying to solve. A world of firsts, first words, first color, first shapes, first animals, right? Like those are the things that can paint a really Fast picture into someone's head and get them onto the that every child needs access to books. But I would take out any of the thank because I've never, thank you for everything you do to support our London public library. Yes, yes, and a book for every child. I've never given to the London Public Library. So they didn't segment their list.
0: (laughs) I so I would say we should come back to something like this where we actually look at the form and talk about the form so if mm. we f- just focus on the letter my from that quick view that you showed so if people go to youtube they can look up the form you want to see or the letter i can hold the it up letter the we'll leave forms for later if you look on youtube you can see joe held up the letter he's doing it again now i'm looking for what is skimmable in that letter because when we write emails for camp parents to get them to register, we need to remember what's skimmable. So there are a few things in bold. Is that yellow highlighter? Yours? I
1: I did the I just did the highlighting.
0: Yeah. So there's there are a couple of bold things that uh, that highlight a couple of words, and the pull quote in the middle is in bold, but it's not very skimmable. They also the paragraphs look too long to me. If you're thinking about getting people to actually read the content, your paragraphs have to be quite short, two or three sentences. At the most.
2: And they missed the a chance for a PS.
0: W- and a PS. To, what, would, what should the PS be, Heather?
2: Yeah, the PS should refer back to what you're asking for. PS, we know this is a busy time of year. So act now, give online at www.londonlibrary It's not actually called that yeah. in london.org.
1: Yeah, here's the thing. It is, so I didn't mention it when I read it, but their their web address, visit our website at www.lpl.ca backslash page backslash book dash every dash child. Talk to your ID department and get a, <laughs> get a simple,
0: get a free bitly account.
1: Yeah. For the love of all the holy. Get a bitly. Yeah. Oh, but I love the fact. Yeah. I didn't even notice there's no PS, the PS I would refer back Yeah, the ask because Heather said that she said the PS would refer back to what you're asking. They didn't ask until until the last, the last word, the last words in the second, last paragraph are, we need your help. And then they talk about asking. And even then they don't say, they don't give me an example of what an amount would be. Right. So $25 buys a book for a kid or, you know, a $250 gives this. And and those can, if you're going to use numbers in a, in a fundraising letter, those specific numbers that then should be matched on your form, right? Help people make yep. the connection. And this letter is, doing a, is trying to do a lot of things and failing at all of them.
0: <laughs> you're, you're not going to give to London Public Library despite how much you like reading.
1: Well, based on the last episode we did, I probably will give to the London Public Library to see if they follow up and nice. do anything. And I'm on their list for some reason and we'll see, I'll change my name on the form to see if it changes in their database.
0: (laughs) From Joseph to Joe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: Or to JM Richards. Yeah. Gotcha. But I think that, I think the important thing here is that you could certainly edit this down. I, I don't think that it defeats the, the Ahern method of, of like grade four to, so the reading level seems
0: appropriate.
1: It might be slightly high, mm. but the use of I's and R's to use is probably not in proportion.
0: To be clear, it should have more use in it. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So that so the person it, can see themselves being a donor and making this difference.
1: Yeah. Donors don't care about the same things that you care about. Donors want to know how they're going to be the hero of that story. And even if they don't want to know, that's what they want to
0: feel. Right. Yeah, that's a good point, that we're going for giving donors a feeling because a feeling will make them act, which is a basic psychological principle that people will act on emotions first, and then the logic brain will justify that action. And that's a pretty much universal way that the brain works. And it's good for us to know those things. This is when my, those rare days when my psychology degree comes into play in my work. Heather, do you want me to go first or do you, are you ready to go? I'm trying to reach a face here.
2: I'm ready to go, but Excellent. I'm happy to let's go, let's go second. Start
0: then, please.
2: Okay, so I have here a letter from the Don Hines History Center. It's two pages. It's a little bit smaller. It's an A4 paper <clears throat> and it is 10 years old, but it's one of my favorites. And if you don't collect fundraising letters, you should especially as you're getting to know what to put and not to put in a letter. This is great practice for you. You can take notes while it's fresh in your mind um, and then go back through and read your notes. So this letter says, starts with, I'm sure you've heard of the tremendous response from the people of Pittsburgh and beyond to our current once-in-a-lifetime exhibition, Vatican Splendors. Okay, Vatican Splendors is the only italicized and bold print here. It goes on about how government funding has been reduced as well as corporate support. And then in the third paragraph, it says, on behalf of the History Center staff and Board of Trustees, I thank you for your past support and considering today's request. I believe that we can weather the storm and working together, continue to make history. There is no request in this letter. (laughs) Yes. There is absolutely no request. But then the second page goes on, and at the top it says, thank you for supporting the John Hines History Center. And then understanding the impact of your gift, and it says things like $1,000 underwrites eight feature story pages in the Western Pennsylvania History Magazine. 500 provides admission for 100 public school students to visit our facilities. And as if that weren't enough, then it gives you the fiscal year 2010 functional expenses in pie chart form.
0: Come on.
2: (laughs) So what we have in this letter is actually thank and report, but no ask. (laughs) And that is why it remains one of my favorites.
0: Right on. So the only things that jump off the page are a word about a particular exhibit and a pie chart about how they spent money. Correct. And is it, do you think it, is there a title or anything that implicates like, this is how we spent donation money or is this our general expense budget oh, no, laid out in form?
2: Functional expenses.
0: Okay. There you go.
2: There's that no ask. Excellent. There's, there's no specificity whatsoever. One of the few things I will say they do right is they put the person's names on the letter. And in an extra fun little twist, they put uh, Mr. and Mrs., the people who the letter was to, yeah. and then in the dear line, they put the woman's name first, followed by the man's name. So that's a fun little switch up, just makes everybody feel included. However, that's about the only thing this letter has going for it.
0: Does the letter have uh, Mr. and Mrs. his name only, or is it uh, it's not that old-fashioned?
2: No, it's Mrs. Mr. Him and Mrs. Her.
0: Okay. All right. And then
2: Dear Her and Him. Uh-huh. But, you know, if you really are out of space of content in your letter, just end the letter or add a picture. <laughs> Under no circumstance should you add a fiscal year expense pie fi- chart. <laughs> or just ask. Just put a big, like, give us
1: money sign and it'll get better. Right? My question. My question about that letter is, do you think that that was written by committee?
2: I don't. I think it was written by the executive, the president and CEO of this organization. And this is a high dollar organization. This is the Senator John Hines History Center. We're not talking about, you know, a small town, independently published newspaper. They, They probably raise millions a year. But it's not from what they put in their letters.
0: Bizarre. Mm-hmm. All right. So, on to my letter. My letter comes from my university, Carleton University in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. And it is a not a general fund or an endowment fund. Ask. It is for a donation towards the equity, diversity, and inclusion fund. uh, And it has a letter on the front and uh, the form on the back to fill stuff in. And one thing that I thought was clever while we're dissecting things before I get into reading the whole letter the website for this is futurefunder.ca, which I thought was a great website title, either because I'm a future funder or this is a plan for. Equity, diversity, and inclusion. So, it's funding the future of the university with that. So, if you are watching at home, it is a letter that takes up the bottom two thirds of the page, commercially printed with a well planned out shot of uh, seven students mixed. Uh, ethnicities. And across the uh, the first fold, it says an invitation to do good. And then it's an opportunity for you. That's an opportunity for me as the potential donor. Education as a force for good. Your generosity reflects our shared belief that higher education is a force for good. So they're already doing what Joe's letter did, which is talking to me as if I'm already a donor in this, instead of opening with a story. I don't think there's too much to get from reading the whole thing and it, just, it lists through your donation, you are supporting instead of you will support, I don't know how you two would feel about that. And it lists a bunch of different services. By enhancing research, teaching and learning initiatives, campus services and support, financial aid and experiential learning opportunities, you make a difference in the lives of students in our community. That is all in normal text. And then highlighted partner with us. And this allows, I thought, a clever line that goes back to the text. It does not include a PS or a sign-off from any particular person, but the final two paragraphs... Under partner with us, we ask donors not to give to Carleton, but through Carleton so that together we can contribute more to the good of society, its economy, institutions, and the health and well-being of citizens around the world. We invite you to invest by supporting a cause that's meaningful to you. Use this pledge form to make your gift and have an incredible impact on the campus, our world, and our community. And then, one thing I thought was clever is they have in the side panel, where we call it, would be they have handwritten thank you notes from students, different handwritings, you know, as the first name of the student and what year they are in, and uh, then a future funder. So. I've highlighted a few things that I thought were good from you folks. What would you say? This is also actually the last thing I would mention is that the form does have a tear off at the bottom that is pre perforated. So if I flip it around to show the back of the form, there is a pre perforated piece of this forms so that you could just mail in with a check.
1: I noticed when you hold the letter up, Travis, that the above that wording is actually below the fold. If I was to send that letter out, I would have put the wording slightly higher and folded it so you would see the wording with the individual when
0: you pull it out of the envelope. Yep.
1: That's a graphic design thing, not so, but can be a fundraising thing. The other yep. thing is that we need to remember as small donors or as small organizations overly glossy and designed letters don't have the same effect as a simple letter. Yes. And yes. this goes for emails as well. So you can spend yes. hours in MailChimp designing an amazing looking email campaign, or you can just go with the text version and make it look like it came from your Gmail or your Outlook. And, and, and it's more personal that way, but that letter is the classic university look, right? Is that, they not only have a fundraising department, they probably yeah. al- also have like a graphic design Executive department, and, and, department. Uh, mm-hmm. and it has to meet the the brand kit for, for Carlton. Mm-hmm. And the, the touch of the, the handwritten, are those actual handwritten notes or, or is it, is it,
0: does it? It's not, from, it's not a font. It's not a font. That's great. Yeah, It's been scanned in. That's yeah. great.
1: And we, Two we do that. We do that for camp. Um, we have campers fill out cards that we then send to donors. So, and it's powerful. I'm not sure what your thoughts are on that letter, Heather.
0: Can I say one thing, Heather, before just pick up on one thing that Joe said, when I talk about camp marketing with clients, I always ask them to differentiate between, differentiate between informational emails versus action emails. And diff- informational emails can be the well-designed graphic ones that Joe's talking about that you can make it all look fancy and you know fit your brand book and all of that. But if you want people to take action, that's when you send plain text emails. If any of you are subscribed to any of the different GoCamp Pro newsletters, tool of the week, the newsletter, et cetera, you will see that when we have information to share, that we just want the community to know, they're designed. When we want people to take action, they're simple and, you know, just have very few graphic elements into it. it might be a bold or a highlight to highlight a, a call to action, but yeah. So Heather, what are you thinking?
2: I really like the invitation to do good verbiage. I think that it is overproduced for a camp letter, but I also think that, you know, Carrollton knows their audience and donors who give to a college are used to that sort of mail arriving to them. So that's something to consider. I really like the student say thank you part. I don't like it in a a request email or request letter because then we're we're confusing ask and thank. I'm with Joe that the invitation part should be above the fold. But again, that's a design thing. I would probably make the return slip bigger because... I want people to give me information. You know, I have included Jamonville in my state plans, or I want more information about that. Those two checkboxes I want on every form, but I think it's a reasonable letter. Otherwise, it's the best of the three examples um, that we've All right. seen today. All
0: right. Uh, yeah. If you're listening and not watching, the return slip is at best two inches tall and probably closer to an, to, uh, an inch and a half and only has cardholder name, expiry date, and signature. It doesn't even ask for my name. If I pulled this off, which it just fell off in reading the letter, I would send this back and it would not even say my name. So... It also, um,
1: the way they design that, it also takes away from the front of the letter. So you could not pass that letter on to a friend who might also donate because you've ruined the letter and words are missing now. Right? So if if you got a truly motivational letter, you might, you know, and let's say you're in your sixties and Mm seventies, this is where people actually carry this kind of stuff around and show it to their friends at tea. And they're like, Oh, you won't believe this letter I got. And something like that. I like the idea that uh, you have it as similar to a buck slip or something that falls out as your donor card, but it is, it looks, you know, it looks good. It's just uh, it it does confuse the ask and the thank, right? A little bit, and that's the challenge.
0: And had they used that space and instead talked about impact, like it was a student story of impact of this equity, diversity, and inclusion, that would have been a better use of that space than yeah,
1: yeah. What's your money going to do, right? What's your money going to have impact on?
2: Yeah, and while we're talking about design, just just a quick tip: if you're going to print a tear off kind of thing like that for somebody to return Mm. pre-fill their demographic information for them, their name, address, phone number, the same way you're going to mail merge their name and address at the top.
0: Into the letter. Yeah.
2: A, they don't have to do it. And B, you don't get a blank form back that you don't know who gave the donation. You could argue, well, it's on the check. Well, maybe some people still mail in cash. Have you advised by the way, have you given
1: to Carlton Travis?
0: No, I haven't. Okay. I never have, and yeah, I think I, don't... I managed to get off the sort of general fund yeah, fundraising, yeah. but this special, you know, this special promotion that they're doing for equity, diversity, and inclusion, which is great. I mean, they wouldn't know this, but that's certainly something that I'm passionate about. It would be had they been able to do some connection with me. This is probably one of the only funds that I would consider donating to. Excellent. Well, thank you both. Uh, Heather I understand you have to get going Thank you for being here today do you want to share your tool do you have an extra tool today to share or
2: just... do you I shared a tool it's a link to a letter or an article from the fund coach that is how not to write an end of your letter I think it's always fun to include some humor and if people have questions and want to reach me it's Heather at jamonville.org um, because you should always name your camp after an obscure, a uh, movie about a childhood game that's mildly terrifying. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Appreciate you, Heather, and grateful for your sharing your ideas. I want to take just a second before Joe and I share our tools to thank our sponsors for this episode. This episode is sponsored by Campbrain. And Camp Brain is an excellent source of fundraising tools with their fundraising module. They also run a survey with their clients every year, just to feel out how things are going, to find out what else they need to work on with their clients. And when asked to complete the survey, Crystal Coleman from Gasper River Catholic Retreat Center said this about Camp Brain. The program itself is well-organized, easy to use, and has report tools that I use every single day. The support team is great at answering questions and building custom reports to meet our specific needs at camp. And Campern's fundraising module does make giving simple. It improves your efficiency. It makes it easier for you to reach out to your current and your potential donors. It makes it easy to change the notifications or the indication for you as to how much people have donated and when, and allows you to quickly and easily show your appreciation to your, your camp donors with donation receipts and acknowledgements built in, automated as part of the system. Thank you to Camp Brain. If you want more information, we are super grateful to them. And you can go to campbrain.com slash F-A-C. Joe, what's your tool today?
1: My tool today is buying the best thing you can afford, right? And, and this is where this, this will apply to many things in life. I think about this as I'm at this at the recording of this episode. I'm still waiting on a new phone from, from Google. I have a, a new laptop that we recently got here at Camp. But as far as fundraising goes, if you can afford a, you know, a database solution like a Campbrain or a Bloomerang or a BlackBot, you should, because it's going to be better the faster you start those and buying the best you can afford because you're going to use it a lot. If this is something you're passionate about and money moves mission, or, you know, when I think about my phone and Travis, you and I've had this talk for years, right? How many times a day do I pick up my phone? And what is what is my phone worth now as far as you know amount of times I've picked it up since I got it three years ago? Right. Like if you if you cost it, it's probably pennies or less than pennies, which is ridiculous, but is also true. So buying the best you can afford and and using it. So that's my that's my tool and suggestion this week.
0: Yes. And I will add on to that idea that if you go into all sorts of stuff in camp with this mentality. You're starting out building, buying less things, but buying more the best that you can afford. Then over time, it just builds up and you end up with better gear, better services, better software because you've invested it over time. And then it just becomes a part of if you're a small camp that's building up to these things, it, uh, it can be great advice.
1: And it's also the idea of how long something will last. Because mm-hmm. oftentimes, people, you can buy a cheap Android phone. But chances are you're gonna, it's it's gonna slow down and do those things. Yeah. I th- I'm thinking about this a lot right now as I go through camp when nobody's here and and I um I have four desktop computers that we're just sending back to our local computer store for recycling because they're
0: so old.
1: Right. And when you're looking for a new one, right, if I buy better now, it will last yeah. longer.
0: So yep. that's great. My tool of the week is a website called Really Good Emails at ReallyGoodEmails.com. And this ties into us looking at letters and also kind of to you know the calls to action that go into the form when we get to do that on our future show. Uh, really Good Emails is a website that you can go to and it gives you examples of good emails that get people to take action they are mostly marketing related more than fundraising but there's a ton of crossover knowledge there you can of course sign up for their email and get really good emails delivered to your own email address but i do that but i mostly find that i just go to the website when i need a little inspiration or a thought and um, it gives me some good starting points and always there's some good organized lessons there so as we did today with examining giving letters they do with marketing letters and as I say, ton of the crossover when you go to reallygoodemails.com. Finally, today I want to take one second and thank the American Campus Association of Illinois for their support. I'm so grateful to have them on the Fundraising at Camp podcast this year as a sponsor. And they do some really great work. Did you know that that they have been there to support the whole industry, not just Illinois camps throughout COVID? And they have been great at uh, looking after all of us, including, of course, sponsoring this podcast. Are you a camp professional looking for community and supportive colleagues? Are you a camp interested in accreditation, but unsure of where to start? Are you looking for expert guidance in navigating the continually changing landscape of COVID-19 in the camp industry? Connect with the ACA of Illinois at info and learn more about becoming an ACA Illinois member today. And uh, we do thank them so much for their support of the Fundraising at Camp podcast. If you want to find our show notes, our tools of the week, and information on how you can get a hold of Joe or Heather to ask them more questions, then you can go to gocamp.pro and look up podcasts or just search there for Fundraising at Camp. Last time, we asked if you got some good information that you share the show with a friend, a camp friend. Uh, I certainly hope that that's the case. But I also want to take a second today and just refer you to another podcast in the Go Camp Pro group of podcasts. So many great shows with so many smart camp pros. And today, I want to draw your attention to the Beyond Camp podcast. If you search for Beyond Camp in your podcast app on your phone you can find what the show that Rachel and Cassie are putting on which is thinking beyond just our job it's about self-care it was certainly a product of the pandemic and lockdowns and the people the number of people who got laid off but it has really grown to encouraging people to think big picture about their life and what they're giving to camp and what they're getting out of it as well so we invite you to check out the beyond camp podcast as well. And I want to thank you all for listening or watching us on YouTube. Please subscribe if you are just listening to this one episode. It should be easy within the podcast app that you're listening to this on or on YouTube right below this video. Thanks everybody for listening. Fundraising at Camp is
1: a part of the Go Camp Pro Podcast Network. Find a podcast for camp pros of every age and stage at gocamp.pro slash podcast. Hey Camp Pros, we love that our industry is built on sharing. In order to foster that spirit, we hope that whenever you share an idea that you learn from the Camp Hacker podcast, conference, Summer Camp Professionals group, or wherever else, that you're quick to give credit where credit is due. That way, we can all encourage more Camp Pros to share the tips and tricks that will make camp better.